Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Learner in the Black fam, it is your host, Steph. And before we kick off season two's episode, I wanted to encourage you listeners to make sure that you rate and review our podcast. It is a way that we get to interact with you guys as well as just get to see how are you liking our content so far. Um, Make sure that you share these episodes with your friends and family. We definitely want to get the word out there that we are a podcast that you should be listening to. But I wanted to also encourage you guys to leave us some voice messages. Yes, you can do that. So if you're not one to want to interact by like typing in um, response to our questions that we ask um, at the end of the episode, you can actually leave us a voice message. And we want you guys to do that because, of course, we get to hear your voices and get to interact with you. But if we really, really love it, we will definitely feature some of your voice messages on future podcast episodes. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. Welcome back to Murder in the Black. I am your host, Steph. And I'm MD. And we're back in, and this launches officially our first season, season two. two. Yeah, yeah, season two. So excited to be back. And Steph, you've done some amazing, consistent, you know, podcasts. Just trying to make sure we're giving you guys some stories every week. Absolutely. But we have to have the, the y'all have to get the dynamic duo. So we Absolutely. gotta be together. And we're actually recording this together. We've been I don't think have we recorded it together ever like in the same not space? a long time we have but it's been yeah. a while usually we have to do it you know virtually where we're both getting our own speakers and calling in and it's right. the whole thing this is so much easier it is it is so we just wanted to kick off our intro and say welcome back but let's get into our true crime case for the day so grab your coffee if it's the morning or your wine if it's the evening, but either way, let's get into it. So this case, MD, how would you title this case? So I definitely think that I would title this case, which is very, very interesting. Such a great case to launch our season two, by the way. But I think I would name this case Family Hurt. Yeah. Family Hurt. And, you know, we've all experienced, I think, we can all say that we've experienced some level of family hurt, even if, like, it, you know, some of us, it may be more nuanced, it may be more, you know, um, hurtful, mm-hmm. <laughs> lack of a better word. But I think we can all somewhat relate to how family hurt is really devastating. It truly is. I mean, and I think the reason why is because, you know, that, that old saying, adage, blood is thicker than water or should be at least it should be so let's talk about the K 
case for the day. So it takes place in Windsor, Connecticut. And we actually, you know, I was about to say, what happens in Connecticut? But like, you know, MD and I, we're from Texas. And I was about to say, we don't know anybody in Connecticut, but we actually have a cousin. Yes, we do. We actually have a cousin. One of our good cousins, like, is in Connecticut. I actually also do know, um, I have a friend who, he's, he's, his family is also from Connecticut. But okay. Anyways, it's like, but, you know, I didn't realize how close Connecticut is to New York until yes. our cousin moved to Connecticut. Yes. And she travels into New York quite frequently. Right. So, shout out to our cousin, Pauline. Yeah, shout out. And it, you know what? She does the mirror. Just a kind of little plug. I mean. For her. She's one of the mirrors. Um, what do you call them? Coaches. Mm, instructors. Instructors. And she's amazing. So, if you have the mirror, definitely check out her um her workout, she does yoga, she does bar classes, like she's amazing. Yeah, so her handle on Instagram is at Pauline Anise. So we just had to plug her real quick. But that's the only person I know in Connecticut. So that was the kind of connection that I made for myself. But our story begins with Tammy Collier. And she um is a beautiful, beautiful young lady. And we'll definitely be including some pictures. Um, on our Instagram as well as our TikTok. So y'all can make that connection, right? Like I, I love to make that connection for myself when I'm listening to podcasts. Um, but in the late 80s, um, you know, Tammy was going to college at St. Joseph's and she was studying psychology. And many describe Tammy as just trusting, extremely kind. Mm. And she often put herself or put others' feelings and others' um, priorities in front of her own. And that can be good, but it also can be bad. Yeah, it's definitely one of those like characteristics where if you abuse a person like that or mm. take advantage of them, that's not the best thing that necessarily to have that quality because it's... You know, loyal to a fault almost, mm. you know? Yeah, and you often don't think, you're like, man, that's such a good quality. How can that even go bad? Well, but... we're going to tell you how it can go bad. Yes. So, well, she's in college. You know, she's having such a good time just meeting friends, long life friends. And one of her friends decides to go to a club. So, like any young adult, she decides to go to the club and have a good time. And when she's there, she meets Arnold. And... Arnold is a very, very sought-after young man. Um, he goes to UConn, and he was studying English. He had a good job. Even in college, he was pursuing a career, and he was just extremely attractive. And that's how they describe him, just extremely attractive, definitely the it guy. And when Tammy meets him, it was love at first sight, definitely for her and Arnold. And Tammy, as we said before, she was a beautiful young lady. And, you know, Arnold just loved her. They, I mean, he just, whenever you would see Tammy, you would see Arnold. And um, they were always super affectionate in public. They loved to cuddle. They just were, you know, they were just enthralled in puppy love, as I that, like to call it. The it couple. Yeah. The it couple. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they decided to, after college, decided to move in together. And Tammy was very excited. Like, she was ready for the move. She was ready for the next step in their relationship. But Arnold was not. I mean, he really kind of was still very young in his mid to late 
20s and there was some um timidity on his account like he wanted to go to the next step he loved Tammy but he still wanted to go out and have a good time you know like there I think sometimes do you think Maya or MD do you think that that sometimes even though you want to go to the next step in the relationship if you have a guy like Arnold who is experiencing some fear or some anxiety do you think that Tammy should have you know still kind of went along to get along type of thing oh absolutely not like I mean of course I'm coming from you know late 30s Mm -hmm. about to hit 40 um you know so like my wisdom and my my age has taught me like that that's not what you want to do like you know I think oftentimes as women or just like I don't even want to just say women I think because I think men can be on the other side of this coin as well Mm -hmm. but I think that like in relationships when you're at a you're at a particular point and the other person is not you know in that same place y'all aren't on the same page so to speak you know we want because we see quote-unquote potential we see what this could be if we would just simply get on the same page so we're willing to like stay or we're willing to really force the issue or really just like you know pressure the other person to like be where we are Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day I don't think that that's wise because either they're there or they're not there and you don't want to make somebody like be somewhere that they're not that they really don't want to be because then their heart is not really into it even if they find they say hey I'll show up Physically, I'm here. Physically, I'm going to be on the same page with you. But mentally, I'm not. I'm still wilding out. I'm still living my best life. I'm still, quote unquote, doing me. And so I think we see in the end of this story Mm. how making somebody step up when they're not ready to step up can really go south. Right. And he wasn't. And, you know, he showed up, like you said, physically. I like how you said that. I'm physically here, but I'm not emotionally present. And that's pretty much what he did. They moved in together despite his anxiety. But, you know, Arnold was still out here having a good time. He was out here in the streets. (laughs) And he was with other women. And as I said previously, he was very attractive. I mean, he had a job. Everything that you could think, an attribute that you could think of that would make a man um, you know, marketable on the dating scene, he was it. And as a result of that, there was some unfaithfulness in their relationship right from the beginning. And, you know, Tammy, like I said, she was kind and she put others' feelings in front of her own and she protected his image. Like she wouldn't let even some of her close friends know that Arnold was out here. Yeah. Because for her, it was more important for her to protect the relationship and the closeness that they shared. Because despite his unfaithfulness, she wanted this relationship. She wanted to keep it. And I think that's what a lot of women do when they experience unfaithfulness in their relationship. And mm. they're not ready to walk away. Um, they don't tell people about it. Because if I'm not ready to walk away and I tell you that, you know such and such as being unfaithful then now you're gonna look at me sideways right like right. now you're like look at my look she she over here staying in this relationship she has no business staying in you know um you're you're kind of ridiculing me and I think some of that was I think on the surface it was her protecting his image but truthfully it was also her protecting her image right 
because she didn't want to be perceived as a person. I mean, in my mind, I don't mm-hmm. know this about her. Right. But I would imagine that, you know, you don't want to be perceived as a person that would stay in a relationship where somebody was being unfaithful. Right. Absolutely agree. So in Jan- like in 89, in the late latter part of, of 1989, of course, their relationship progressed and Tammy found herself pregnant. And they kind of meet this uh, where the rubber meets the road, like Tammy being a mother myself. And when I got pregnant with my first daughter, like Tammy, I wasn't married. And I feel like anytime a woman gets pregnant, it's like you automatically see the future. Like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. I want my baby to have the daddy in this life. I want to be with this man. And that was Tammy. Like she wanted, she sat Arnold down and said, hey, listen, I know you've been unfaithful. But I'm pregnant. We're going to keep this baby. And I want to get married. That's what I want. And Arnold was still Arnold. I mean, that did not change. Arnold was like, well, I really don't want to get married. I don't think I'm ready for that. And his behavior spoke to the to the fact that he wasn't ready. However, he ultimately decided to marry Tammy. And they moved to Windsor. Connecticut at that point they lived somewhere else in Connecticut prior to and so um in October of 1990 um they had their son Jarrell and he was the best parts of both Tammy and Arnold um and after his birth um Tammy and alongside of a host of her family members became a part of Jehovah's Witness now, I don't know much about Jehovah's Witness. What about you, MD? You I, know? I know very basic stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like super basic. Like they're the ones that knock at your door. Do you know? That basic. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> we don't know much about Jehovah's Witness other than, you know, Tammy pursued this and her family pursued this with such um, vivaciousness. They just they just clung to their, their faith and... um one of the family members that were a part of it was her aunt Joyce and Joyce had a daughter named Chastity and this was Tammy's first cousin Chastity and they were seven years apart and they got along well prior to they grew up together but they really were kind of glued to the hip um as a result of becoming Jehovah's Witness witnesses together and Chastity was a very um creative um fun-loving personality and you know she was 23 at the time and she just loved loved family so we thought and also just loved just anything having to do with creation she loved writing stories loved doing makeup just she was a very creative person and she actually um at just 23 years old she was an LPN in Connecticut and I thought that was really kind of admirable like Mm -hmm. she knew what she wanted to do in life and um you know Tammy decided to go and start working so she brought in her close cousin Chastity to come in and start watching Jarrell and as a result Chastity came in and she was very active in Jarrell's life as well as as well as Tammy's life and she kind of got close to Arnold And Benny described Chastity as like a flirt. She loved to flirt and she would flirt with just about anybody. And 
a lot of family members started to see that she was flirting with Arnold. And it just was borderline inappropriate. I'm saying borderline, but to me personally... It was all the way. It was very inappropriate. They would make sexual jokes with each other. You know, she would make sure she would touch him every time she talked to him. And it was almost as if Chastity would just find things to do to pop up over at their house. Mm -hmm. So this relationship between Chastity and Arnold is wildly inappropriate. But Tammy kind of just convinces herself that it's okay. Nothing's going on. And soon, in the late part of 1994, Tammy becomes pregnant and gives birth in, birth in 95 to their daughter, Lindsay. And she's basically just trying to hold this marriage together. But because of the rumors that are brewing and the flirtation that keeps happening, she keeps just wondering, like, what is going on? But Tammy being Tammy, true to her character, she just, you know, convinces herself that their relationship is okay but in the summer of 1995 things come to a head when chastity invites um arnold over to her house for like a couple's game night now she's told everybody that her and arnold are not together but she's there at this couple's game night with arnold and one night a family member on this particular night a family member is at the house and she wakes up to hear she hears squeaking and she looks and she finds that chastity and arnold are having sex and at this point you know this particular family member runs and tells um tammy hey listen like this is what's going on and tammy can no longer ignore it and she finally settles in and gets a divorce from <clears throat> from Arnold in 1996. So Arnold moves out and he gets an apartment in Bristol and Tammy goes on to um, purchase a home in 1997 on Lavelle Avenue. And during this time, they have kind of reached an agreement and Tammy is the custodial parent. So she has all the rights and um, they have set up an agreement where um, Arnold goes and picks up the kids from daycare and brings them back to her home where he watches them until Tammy is off of work. And he leaves. And how they're able to do this kind of like flawlessly and effortlessly is Tammy uh, gives him a key that they keep in the baby's diaper bag, in Lindsay's diaper bag, so that he's able to get in and out of the house. And despite them divorcing, their co-parenting relationship seems to work out well because they kind of agree that they're trying to make their children's life as um, best as they can despite their divorce. And he decides to continue to pursue a relationship with Chastity, even though this relationship has caused such strain on um, Tammy's family dynamic i mean the family is literally split in two but he continues a relationship with chastity and chastity of course she feels like she's one she's feel like okay i broke up this marriage and now it's time for arnold and i to get married and she voices this to arnold and arnold tells her flat out like no i'm never gonna marry you you are 
as dumb as this sounds, you are Tammy's cousin. <laughs> Y'all, that is the dumbest reasoning ever, but okay. Because if, if that was a reason, then why did you ever, like, Start the relationship. But she also wanted to move out of the state. Yeah, she wanted to move to Atlanta. She wanted to go to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I've said this in an episode before, but everybody just feels like Georgia's going to transform their life. I don't know, but it sure was. <laughs> but, I mean, not no offense to my Georgia. No, no offense to y'all. Y'all know how many people love to come to y'all state. and Y'all know y'all don't want all these people coming to y'all state. <laughs> We're feeling that in here in Dallas. But, nevertheless, she wants to move to Georgia and he also tells her like listen I'm never gonna marry you and I'm never gonna move out of state my kids are here I want a relationship with my children I'm never going to move and she just becomes like super obsessed with Arnold to the to the point that when Arnold will go over to Tammy's house to drop over the kid to drop off the kids so he can watch them until Tammy returns back home she actually follows him yeah She's a stalker. She's a stalker. She's obsessed. Mm -hmm. And she would follow him in the car, bring cousins along. Like younger cousins. And younger cousins and say, this is a mission. We're just trying to make sure that he's not doing anything that he's not supposed to do. With his, the mother of his children. With the mother of his children. His ex-wife. His (laughs) ex-wife. And of course, on these missions, she would never find anything. But really, things come to a head. When not only does he tell her, I'm not going to marry you, I'm not moving out of state, but in 1998, Tammy goes to the elders and deacons of their church and she like kind of opens an investigation to see when did this affair start? Because if it happened when they were married, then that there's ramifications right to that inside of i assume jehovah's witnesses church like if you are cheat and still be married there are some ramifications and consequences within the church really as it relates to chastity as it relates to chastity because chastity was in the church right right Mm -hmm. so chastity you know she's already upset because she feels like even though she's won she hasn't won the whole she hasn't really won arnold's heart and then Chastity, then Tammy goes on to like get her in trouble, so to speak, with the elders of the church, and she's pissed. Yeah. So that was what a happens? Cherry on top. Yeah. So what okay, happens yeah. after that, Indy? Can you tell us? Yeah. So I will jump into the actual crime, right? Like, cause that's what we're here for, right? Like, what actually took place now that everything's come to a head? Um, where does this go? So, so Chastity just, you know, infuriated by all of the things, you know, that you've mentioned and just really, she feels like she doesn't have Arnold a hundred percent. And so, you know, she's trying to figure out how can I do that? So she actually calls, um, one of her younger cousins, boyfriend, okay. which is Alex Grajales and we'll call him Alex. Um, and she calls him to I you know find out like she actually calls him to tell him about a job but in that conversation she also asks him do you know anybody that has explosives and so there begins this relationship between her and uh you know Alexis I said Alex his name is Alexis okay there begins this relationship between the two of them 
where she's asking him about guns and asking him where she can get one does she know anybody does he know anybody that could kill somebody and um you know she she begins to tell him about the the nature of the the relationship the tension between her and Tammy and she tells him that Tammy's terrorizing her even though Tammy's never done any of that and so there just begins this this um conversation ongoing conversation that happens and transpires over the course of over the course of several months but finally in late may 1998 she talks to him and she creates this plan where she decides we're gonna vandalize tammy's house and she offers to pay alexis four thousand dollars to do just that to basically for both of them to go into tammy's home he would tie down or hold down Tammy mm-hmm. while Chastity vandalized and just destroyed things to send a message okay. really to Tammy. And that's that's what he that's what she, you know, coached Alexis on. Like this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna do it. And um on, you know, June seventh, they went and, you know, to the store and they began to purchase up flashlights and a pair of navy blue cover, uh, coveralls and mm-hmm. to you know begin this whole process of how we're going to to go in and vandalize this home so what's the message that they wanted to send the message she wanted to send was you know be fearful and according to what she told him okay was i just want to scare tammy okay okay but truthfully the message that we all know was stay away from arnold Right okay. now, I'm not really sure how she was going to send that message just by doing the vandalism. Right. But this is what she tells Alexis. Mm-hmm. So now remember that key that you talked about, Steph, where there was a Tammy would put the key to her house in the diaper bag of Lindsay so that Arnold could get in and out of the house. Right. Well, Chastity knew about this key. And so she goes and gets this key from Lindsay's diaper bag while Lindsay's at her grandmother's house. And she goes and makes a copy of this key, mm. puts the key back into the diaper bag. And, you know, now they're ready. They're ready to enact the plan that they created. And they decided they were going to do it on July the 7th. But the night of July the 7th comes and she calls Alexis and she's like, we can't do it. We can't do it because I'm doing something with Arnold. But that wasn't true. In fact, the reason why they couldn't do it is because the kids were at Arnold's house. Now, this doesn't come out until the actual trial. Okay. Okay? But this just goes to show you how um, she was telling Alexis something completely different. So she was telling Alexis, the kids won't be at the house. I'll make sure the kids aren't at the house. You know? And so the night that she was planning to do it on July the 7th, she learned that the kids were at Arnold's house. And that's why she didn't want to go through with the plan, even though she's telling Alexis something different. Oh, okay. Yes. So the the next evening on July the eighth, the kids are now at the house. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna go through with the plan. She calls, you know, Alexis, just like it's happening. We're, it's gonna go down tonight. And so she goes to Arnold's house that night. She spends the night with him. At twelve thirty, she leaves. She calls. Uh, Alexis, they they talk. I mean, she calls him like thirty something times. Now wow. we know that if you're gonna commit a crime, the last thing you need to be doing is creating cell phone tower. Right, records. right. And that's what she did. She <laughs> created a whole record, right, of like all this evidence just going right with her. And so they talked on the phone. 
Um, oh, I'm so sorry. We got to stop mm-hmm. because uh, one of the things that when July the 7th, when the when it didn't go down that night, right. she told him, well, since it can't happen tonight because I'm out, go get a rug cutter, the kind that you can push up and down, like right. that comes up and down. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, okay, cool. I'll go get that. He doesn't know why, but he goes and gets it. So now we're back to the, the night that, mm-hmm. of everything that happens. So um, they meet up at this gas station Mm -hmm. and at this gas station they fill up two soda bottles um uh two liter soda bottles of gasoline now now you know alexis he testifies that he doesn't really know why she did this um that at one point she talked about starting a fire in the house but you know he doesn't really he did doesn't really understand this part of why she did what she did um but you know they leave the gas station uh, together and they they go to um, to the house, and they put on their you know masks and their latex gloves, and they you know go they walk in and Chastity's carrying the the bottles of gasoline. Mm-hmm. And so when they go in, as soon as they go in, you know, Alexis does exactly what he t- he was instructed to do, to do. They walk in because remember they have the key to the house, so they go into the house uh, using the key. But Tammy hears it. So she wakes up, and usually her kids are upstairs. They usually are asleep upstairs, but this particular night, they wanted to sleep in the room with her, so they're in the downstairs room. Wow. So she gets up, she hears it, and she walks to the front, and she sees two people walking in her house. And before she tries to turn off to run, Alexis pins her down and holds her down, covers her mouth, and tells her, don't move, nobody's going to get hurt, just stay right here, you know? Okay. And... At that point, Chastity runs upstairs to the kids' room to go upstairs to the kids' room. Right. Well, the kids aren't in that room. So she immediately runs back downstairs and goes into, you know, Tammy's room, closes the door behind her. And the whole time, Alexis is telling Tammy, like, nothing is going to happen to anybody. Because in Alexis's mind, there's nobody here. Right. But as soon as she goes into that room... You you can hear the uh, Tammy talks about how you can hear the whimpers of Lindsay and Gerald, and um, you know she begins to fight you know to really get loose at this point, mm-hmm. and at that point too when Alexis hears the kids it startles him right because he they're supposed to be committing this crime or vandalizing the home, and the kids aren't supposed to be there at all yes and so. In her effort to try to get loose, she sees this watch on, um, which is, it's important later here in the story, but she sees this watch on um, Alexis's arm. Okay. And Alexis just like, I'm getting out of here. I'm because out. I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for a burglary. Right. Which, you know, as an attorney, I'm like, that's still bad. But... <laughs> we should not be doing even that. Right. But, you know, he was like, I'm definitely not here to, like, hurt, hurt people. Yeah. And so I'm getting out. So he leaves. And, you know, Chastity, she follows later, but she leaves these bottles of, of gasoline, like, on Tammy's nightstand. I, I don't believe that she even tried to, like, light them or, like, anything like that, but she does leave them there. Um, And so as soon as Tammy gets up, she goes to just check, you know, make sure everything is good in her room and she sees you know Lindsay is 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 crying and so she's you know kind of like you know you breathe the sigh of relief there's some scratches on Lindsay but she's crying and she, that means what that she's alive she's okay but she 
looks at the bed and Gerald's sleeping. It looks like Gerald is sleeping. She turns Gerald over and sees a slash, you know, across his neck. And, you know, it takes like listening to this documentary on the ID channel, um, Twisted Love, the season one, episode one, to hear Tammy for the first time. She talks about this case for the first time ever. To hear her talk about this moment is, as a mother, one of the hardest things to listen to when she realizes that her son is... At this time, she doesn't know he's dead, but she knows he's dead, you know? Mm. Um, it was just, you know, just devastating. She calls 911 and, you know, thus proceeds the, the case at that point. It's, you know, so they... Chastity does, in fact, kill Gerald. Um, with that, you know, he died from... With the rug cutter, him, right? With the rug cutter. Injuries to his neck. And, you know... But of course, at the time, Tammy has no idea who, where, why, what, like all of the things, like, (laughs) why is this happening to me? Mm. Why would somebody target my children? Because nothing else was wrong or vandalized in the house. So what was, what she told Alexa she was going to do, she did not do. You know, she targeted those kids and that comes out. Now, as Tammy's trying to figure out what happened, the police uncovered that that watch that she saw on Alexis's wrist was left at the house. Some kind of way during the struggle, that watch came off. And so the police used that watch in the investigation and, you know, say, hey, we have this watch. Here's what the watch looks like. And we are going to pull DNA evidence from this watch, even though I don't believe the DNA evidence at this time you know, they could do that. I don't know. I don't believe they could do that, that kind of testing. But that was enough to put the fear of God in Alexis. And he went down to the police with his attorney. Right move, Alexis. And, you know, at first he tried to deny. At first he tried to deny why his watch would have been there. But um, I think on the advisement of his attorney and, and the fear that I'm sure the, the detectives instilled in him, he confessed to what happened. And you know, how it happened and how things went different, how things did not go the way that he expected it to go. And the evidence was on his side that they weren't supposed to go the way they expected it to go. And so, um, and he testified against uh, Chastity at trial, at Chastity's trial. And, you know, um, and at his trial, he was, he received six years. So he did get convicted. And part and partial to him getting that um, conviction was the the police of course him testifying against chastity and of course him not necessarily the evidence supporting that he didn't know that this was really supposed to go down like this but also tammy also you know testified that she could tell that he didn't know like and Mm. that the moment that you know he realized this was going south that he got he released her Mm -hmm. And so um, he did. He got six years. And, and, and I think he should have gotten time. And I'm glad he got time. Right. Um, but I do think that he should not have gotten time like Alex, uh, uh, like Chastity got. Now, so Ch- what did she get? Chastity was convicted um, on two counts of risk of injury to a child, mm-hmm. criminal attempt to commit murder, assault in the first degree, uh, felony murder, murder, capital felony, 
and burglary in the first degree. She was convicted on all counts. Now they did um, suggest death penalty in her case, but the, you know, after two months trial and nine days of deliberation, the juror came back and did not, you know, impose the death sentence. They imposed life without the possibility of parole. She did appeal her case to the Supreme Court of Connecticut and they denied her. She appealed again, and she was de- subsequently denied. Mm. So she will experience life in prison for the remainder of her life, and it, and and where she should be. Right. You know, it's unfortunate that this happened. Um, you know, and it sucks because Tammy, you know, like this was her cousin, her first cousin, hmm. um, somebody who took care of Gerald, um, but Chastity got blinded, blinded by love greed lust and um allowed her emotions to dictate you know an overshadow like this is your family and even deeper than that this is a human and this is a child yes so it's a very sad case so it was a very sad case md but um as we like to do you know wrap up the episode and say what our takeaways are what would you say yeah i think my takeaway for sure is going to be that you you got to learn who to be loyal to and you also have to know when to not pressure people into doing something that you really want them to do necessarily because when i look at this case i feel like you know None of this is Tammy's fault. Like, you know, what Absolutely happened? Not, not yeah. Tammy's fault. So please, you know, understand me. But I feel like, you know, there's some things that could have been done to like maybe have not allowed, you know, this situation to happen. And as a married woman, you've got to be careful who you're allowing into your home. Mm-hmm. Even if they are your family. Even if. Right. And when you see the red flags, like we talk about, you know, <laughs> in social media today, the red flags, when you see them, Pay attention to them. You know what I'm saying? Because you can get caught up in something you like, how did I, how am I here? Because you didn't pay attention to the red flags that were being, you know, that were revealing themselves to you. You know, so all those red flags that she had. What about you, Steph? What What's what's your takeaway? Yeah, I think, I, I just, amen everything you said, because I think that's so true. You know, there is such thing as having like such a good character in that you want to help people. You're trying to be kind, trying to be loyal. But when they show you who they are, who they are, as Maya Angelou says, you know, you believe them. Believe them. The very first time. Um, And so I I definitely agree with that. But I would say my takeaway um, is, you know, family, family is a beautiful thing. It really is. It's definitely you can. I can tell as I've gotten older that God designed families with intent, and and it's supposed to be special. But because of human flaws and sin, it oftentimes is not. And um, and as I, I I know there's a saying that all skin folk all skin folk ain't kin folk well the truth is all kin folk ain't kin folk sometimes <laughs> and you know your loyalty as you said and your um kindness it doesn't necessarily have to stop but it should always be for the right people and sometimes it's not family 
And I think that that's why we titled this family hurt because that I feel like sometimes that's the worst hurt. Yeah. You know? Because it's it's you're you're expecting blood to be thicker than water. Yeah. And so you're thinking like, you know, not my blood. This is my blood. This like, is my blood. You know, surely they're not gonna you know, surely Chastity, my first cousin, mm. like is not going to you know, while we have some, you know, tension. Right. Surely she wouldn't try to kill my child. Her nephew. Her niece. Her girl. Like, not, you know, and I think that's the part that is so devastating. Because MD and I actually had watched this case a while ago. And we were both just like, what? I mean, I we couldn't believe it. But I think though I think we our takeaways basically echoed each other essentially. Um but uh one thing in that in that particular episode it kind of gave you like an update cuz this was her first time, Tammy's first time speaking on it publicly. Right. And so they ask her this question. They say, "Well, have you reached a point of forgiveness?" Hmm. And she says, "Well, I've forgiven Arnold." And she said, I forgave him because he has his own burden to carry. He has his own cross. As it relates to this and situation. She, yeah. And she said that she felt like she knew that he he carried so much guilt. Mm. She didn't need to add to it. She could only imagine the amount of guilt that he carries as a result of this. Right. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, they had their daughter, Lindsay, who's grown now. And I think at the time that they recorded this... Um, Jarrell would have been 28. And so Lindsay's only like five years apart from him. So, you know, uh, she was still young and she doesn't remember much of the attack. She was only two or three when it happened. Um, but she said, I've remained close with Arnold because I still had a daughter to raise. Mm -hmm. And so she, she was always able, saw the yes, values. She, she always, always saw did. what was important. Yeah, yes. Tammy did. And as it relates to, um, chastity this is what she said in terms of forgiveness she said you know what i don't think about it every day i don't carry that anger with me anymore but forgiveness is a journey and i'm traveling along and i thought that was so good it was so profound because i think a lot of us think that forgiveness is a straight line mm. and it's it's and when you have deep hurt like this like hurt that like goes to the very core of your being it is not and it's something that you oftentimes when it's this deep and it's this you know raw and and you know you think she lost her child um this will always be on a lot of levels raw for her um that's something she's gonna have to daily do and that's what I felt like I heard from her you know as these emotions arise and as I find myself focusing on it I have to forgive her daily because forgiveness also, you know, we've we've learned, you know, over the course of our lives that forgiveness is not just for, you know, I'm doing it so that, you know, for the, you're, it's not for the person. It's mm. not for the other person. It's not for chastity. She's undeserving of the forgiveness for sure. Mm -hmm. But forgiveness is for, for Tammy, for Tammy to be able to move on. And although to me, Tammy's saying it's a journey, you can tell she's on that journey yes. because she absolutely can talk about this without... I don't know. I feel like what I would have would just be so much anger and mm. resentment and bitterness. And I think Tammy understood that she could not effectively raise her child if she harbored all of that. Yes. So, 
Yeah, so drop us a comment. Let us know what you thought about this week's episode. We'll definitely have a question specifically in our um, comment box, but we will see y'all next Thursday. All right. Bye. Bye.